Welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Josh Hart is a New York Nick. The Knicks make a trade, including Cam Reddish and their own first-round pick for this year. Was it a good value? Are they taking a chance? How does Josh Hart fit statistically? And what else could the Knicks get into on this trade deadline day? All that and more next on Locked On Knicks. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. Starts with a five. Ewing for the win. Yes. Up, up left. Now fires it. He's good. And he's fouled. And he's fouled. Anthony for three. All right, welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. And I wanted to thank you all. For making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day, whether you're checking us out on your favorite podcast platform or taking in the sights and sounds on YouTube, we appreciate you making us part of your daily routine, especially through the trade deadline here. If you haven't already, make sure to hit the subscribe button and notification bell on YouTube or the subscribe button and auto download on your favorite podcast app so that you don't ever miss an episode if you can't get enough of this good Knicks content. I'm Alex Wolf. I'm editor-in-chief of Nick's site, The Strickland, which you can find at thestrick.land. And the big news, well, big news in New York. Well, eh, the big news for the Knicks today. I'm recording this right as the Kevin Durant trade is breaking uh, the internet at like 1.30 at night on a Wednesday night. What a time to be alive. But the Knicks, you know, did manage to strike first. I'll give them that much. They might be number two on the back pages tomorrow. Uh, actually, they might be number one on the back pages considering print deadlines, but whatever. It, regardless of anything, the Knicks did a thing. They got Josh Hart today, and they basically gave up Cam Reddish and their own first-round pick this year is what it more or less comes down to. Here's the exact terms. Uh we have from Adrian Wojnarowski, uh, he, he was on this one first. The Knicks get Josh Hart in exchange for Cam Reddish uh, and a protected first-round pick. Now, it's only sort of protected. It's lottery protected for this year. And if the Knicks pick falls within the lottery this year, then the Trailblazers get four second-round picks. But with the trajectory the Knicks are on now and the fact that getting Hart undoubtedly makes them better seems pretty likely that the Knicks traded their first round pick for this year. Uh, they also moved Ryan Archie Diacono in this deal, which is <laughs> sort of a cruel little twist to this, uh, that they're getting the Villanova guys back together. And then Archie Diacono has to be the guy that goes out for salary match purposes. Uh, Fred Katz, also of The Athletic, was first on the fact that Sfee Mikhailuk is also in the deal. Both those two guys are essentially just salary filler to make this whole thing work. And I got to give props to Mike Scotto, too, for being, uh, I would say, I mean, I can't remember if Josh Hart was linked to the Knicks prior to this, but just in the morning, 
uh, Josh Hart had something about, or sorry, Mike Scotto had something about Josh Hart being linked to the Knicks. So shouts to Mike Scotto at Hoops Hype as well, who was a guest on the show recently. Uh, but so that's the package, right? Essentially, Cam Reddish and the Knicks' first-round pick this year, depending on where that pick lands, obviously, but it seems pretty likely that it's going to convey and go to the Blazers. So that's that's like for this front office a pretty large price. Um, you know, that's not a that's not a small thing. This this is a team that dating all the way back to Phil Jackson even is very reluctant to move first round picks. And so for them to do this for Josh Hart means they must feel pretty strongly. Uh if you ask me, I maybe would have said if this is what the cost was going to be, why would you not just wait till like the witching hour tomorrow? But Maybe they knew something that, you know, we don't that, you know, Josh Hart was more in demand and, you know, that the Blazers were being like, no, you know, we, we want to take your deal. You seem into it. We want Cam Reddish, but we'll also move him in the morning to another team if you don't accept this offer tonight uh, because we just don't want to deal with this. And maybe they have some other moves they want to make tomorrow. Maybe the Knicks have some other moves they want to make tomorrow and just wanted to get this domino out of the way. Who's really to say, but. Uh, it's it, again, pretty big price for what this team usually gives up. Like I, I cannot tell you the last time other than a trade back in the draft that the Knicks gave up this much of draft compensation, which is really saying something. Uh, so the other thing too, is that this front office has been able to sort of take players of maybe not quite Josh Hart's caliber, but find sort of diamond in the rough players in that general draft range too that they're giving this pickup in. Like if that pick ends up in the late teens, early twenties, that's sort of like the money spot for this Knicks front office and this scouting staff. So again, interesting uh, that they decided to do that, but I was thinking about it and I was like, all right, well, what then constitutes this deal being a success? And Josh Hart presumably will be a unrestricted free agent this coming summer. So this is sort of a rental in a way, but one that I feel like the Knicks are sort of, uh, if we want to use, if we want to continue co-opting car terms, they're sort of renting to own here. Uh, you know, they're, I think that they're, they're renting uh, Josh Hart with the strong inclination of paying him his next contract this summer, which this deal helps them do. And so I was thinking about like ways that this could be successful for the Knicks. And I think, Thing one, Josh Hart needs to ball out and affect the Knicks winning and and help them win at a higher rate that they have been lately, which is saying something because they've been quite good lately, uh, especially since the rotation change. Uh, I was doing a show with my buddy Shwini Poo yesterday, and he pointed out the Knicks have been on like a 48-win pace since they uh, shortened the rotation. So, you know, if they can keep on that or perhaps even play a little better, with hard on board, then maybe that makes that pick like, you know, pick 22 or something. And that becomes all the more palatable if the Knicks manage to make like the top six in the East and, and manage to be one of the, you know, top eight, nine, 10 teams in the league and keep that pick in the twenties. That works out pretty good. Uh, the other thing though, is the Knicks need to take advantage of this inside track that they have to re-signing Josh Hart. Uh, and that's important, right? Because the Knicks, you know, last year, obviously, we're able to create some cap space to sign Jalen Brunson. And 
for their troubles, actually walked away with three protected first round picks, which probably made it an easier pill to swallow. Uh, getting rid of this pick in the heart deal, the Knicks' actual own pick, I probably made it a lot easier to be like, you know, well, we have, you know, four protected first round picks, including that one from Dallas this year, which that pick, since it's only top 10 protected, might end up being better than what the Knicks pick would have ended up being anyway. Uh, but I, I guess we'll see how things work out with Kyrie there and and with Luca and all that stuff and and Luca's injuries and all that. But regardless, you know that this sort of makes things a little a little better as far as the pick situation. But now what they've gotten back by getting Hart on this team is the bird rights. Which, if those of you that are listening to this are unfamiliar. Uh, bird rights are basically allowing you to go over the cap to re-sign a player, even if you are, you know, currently over the cap when they become a free agent. And the Knicks with Brunson in tow now, with Julius Randle, with RJ Barrett's extension kicking in next year, with Mitchell Robinson now making second contract money, with Evan Fournier still on the books, they're not going to have cap space this summer. And if they were to create cap space this summer, it would cost a heck of a lot more than shedding some salary using the 11th pick and getting three protected first round picks in return. Like they did last year, they'd probably start actually shelling out first round picks to be like, Hey, take Evan Fournier. Hey, take, you know, this guy, Hey, take that guy. Like let's, you know, create enough space to sign Josh Hart outright. Now they don't have to worry about that. Now they have the inside track and if things go really well. And I mean, it certainly, you could tell there was a, the absolutely adorable video of Jalen Brunson, learning that Josh Hart was going to be his teammate again and going, oh, ish, uh, and like freaking out uh, while he was having his jersey retired at Villanova uh, tonight. It's it, it's um, it seems like the Knicks should be able to take advantage of that. And I have little doubt that Josh Hart is going to come through and play well for this team and ultimately raise their floor and perhaps even their ceiling. Uh, and a lot of that has to do with some of the great statistics that come associated with Josh Hart, which I will get into in the next segment. Because real quick, I just have to tell you guys about FanDuel Sportsbook. And this year, the only app you need at your Super Bowl party is FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. We're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sportsbook in America, FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. Download FanDuel now so you can bet Super Bowl 57 with a no-sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel lets you bet on everything from the money line to point spreads to who will score a touchdown. And I'm running out of time to hammer this, but play same game parlay. It is so fun. It is the most fun way to place a bet. Uh, you can bet on all kinds of different stuff. If you want to bet on the Super Bowl, you can bet on, you know, Mahomes passing yards and, and uh, you know, Hurts passing touchdowns and rushing yards for this player and sacks for another player. And they let you do all kinds of crazy stuff during the Super Bowl as well. There's always all kinds of extra other little things you can bet on. So definitely check that out. Uh, and the best part about it is that when you do it, the FanDuel Sportsbook app is safe, secure, and super easy to use. And best of all, you can get paid your winnings instantly. So that's definitely one of my favorite parts. And that's why I've been using the FanDuel app since before I was paid to. Uh, that's for sure. So join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash locked on to claim your no sweat first bet 
on Super Bowl 57. That's fanduel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. And of course, of your good friends at Locked On. Uh, in case you can't get enough trade deadline, the NBA trade deadline is coming up later today. And Locked On has you covered. Thursday, February 9th. That's today. Again, in case you were wondering, tune into Locked on NBA on YouTube at 2 Eastern to hear reaction from the trades that will change the rest of the NBA season. Who becomes contenders and who is tanking for a better future? Subscribe to Locked on NBA on YouTube and don't miss a deal. Perhaps you might even hear from your good friend Alex Wolf on there. But for now, you're hearing from me right now. And I am excited to get into some of these stats about Josh Hart. So the the basic counting stats this season, he is averaging 9.5 points, 8.2 rebounds, pretty crazy for a dude who's listed at, I think, 6'4", and 3.9 assists. He is shooting 50.4% from the field, 30.4% from three, and 73.1% from the free throw line. He has played 33 minutes per game, and he has played and started in 51 games, which is all the games so far for the Trailblazers, which Tibbs is going to absolutely love. So first off, the rebounding, that's the thing that that super jumps off the page about his stats this year. He is basically the standard bearer for wing rebounders. Now, bear, take into consideration what that means, right? So I use cleaning the glass for this, and they separate players into all different categories. Josh Hart is really more guard-sized, and yet they have him listed as a wing because he spends most of his time at the small forward. And even with that diminutive size and the fact that he is, uh, even though he's guard sized, he's listed as a wing on clean the glass. He is basically the standard bearer for all rebounding percentage uh, metrics that they track there. Uh, So he is in 98th percentile in offensive rebounds of his team's field goal attempts and 99th percentile in defensive rebounds of opponents' missed shots. That is going to be huge for the Knicks, particularly until Mitchell Robinson manages to get back because, you know, Hartenstein, for as good as he's been, he is not the best offensive rebounder. He's quite good at defensive rebounding. Jericho Sims, likewise, I think is better at offensive rebounding than defensive rebounding. Hart just kind of does both of those really, really well for his size. And as a result, I think that he's going to end up you know, really providing some value to the Knicks on that part of the court. But he also has some other things that he's good at. One thing he's not doing as well at this year that hopefully will turn around is shooting the three ball. So he's actually shooting his lowest percentage of his career so far this year at 30.4%. And he's a career 34.3% three-point shooter. And honestly, he shot great last year after he got traded to the Blazers, which is kind of funny. Although the Blazers were in a much different place last year, obviously, where they were kind of tanking because Dame was hurt most of last year. But he came to the Blazers last year, found himself in sort of a weirdly featured role down the stretch of the season. He actually shot really well. He shot 37.3% on six and a half attempts. And granted, it was just 13 games, but still enough of a sample size where you start to kind of squint in your eyes and say, hmm, you know, I, I think maybe that's that's something. Uh, He also scored 19.9 points per game during that stretch as well. But on top of that, even before he got traded last year, he was having a career scoring year with the Pelicans and I think wound up finishing the year averaging something like 14 and a half points. Uh, So 
had one of his actually had his full stop best scoring year of his career last year. And otherwise has proven to be a good role player and a good catch and shoot player uh, throughout his career up until this season, which whatever the reasons are behind that, I'm not hundred percent sure because I'd be lying. If I said I've watched a ton of the blazers this year, that said, I, I'd be willing to bet that maybe the change of scenery and finding himself in more of a spot up role would be helpful. I did look up his spot up attempts, which NBA stats offers, and he is shooting 33.3% on catch and shoot three pointers this year. So if that number can go up a little bit and he's not relied upon to take pull up three pointers, which I don't think he really will be in this offense, then maybe this will work out pretty good for the Knicks. Uh, he also shoots. 71 and a half percent at the rim per basketball reference, which is really good. And that must just be a trait among those Villanova guys from the title team, or at least between Jalen Brunson and Josh Hart here. That is just, that's a fan, seven, 71 and a half percent. The rim is awesome. I mean, that's like you're bordering on like big man territory at that point. And he's obviously doing it on decent volume because his overall field goal percentage and his effective field goal percentage are quite good considering how bad he's shooting from three. So even with his three-point shot lacking this year, he's still shooting 55.2% effective field goal percentage, which if he starts shooting like 35% from three and can keep the rest of this up, he's going to be shooting like 55 56 57% effective field goal percentage, which for those of you that don't remember is a, a stat that takes into account that a three is more th- worth more than a two in factoring your your overall field goal percentage. I mean, he might be shooting close to 60 by the end of the year, or at least in his Knicks tenure, you know, with these like 30 or so games he's going to get to play with the Knicks. So pretty crazy stuff. Also, per cleaning the glass, he's actually only taken 28% of his shots this year from three, which is the lowest number of his career. Uh, his previous low is 29%. So he's shooting fewer threes in his shot diet than he ever has. I think that he should be able to get more attempts with the Knicks. And as I said, could it, you know, is shooting better on, on catch and shoot like spot up opportunities this year. So hopefully that'll mean, you know, if he can get more of a shot diet with the Knicks that is three point heavy and then just kind of allows him to cut and, you know, take advantage of, of backdoor cuts and just kind of getting the hoop that way. I think his field goal percentage is going to be pretty good here. Uh, at least I hope so. Uh, the other thing, the Blazers are, this is always one of my favorite stats, plus 9.6 points per 100 possessions better with Josh Hart on versus when he's off per basketball reference and cleaning the glass. And per cleaning the glass, they had this stat laid out nice and easy to look at. He is the best on the Blazers in that category. Let that sink in one more time. Think about the players that are on the Blazers, the good players that are there. He is the According to on-off, which is points per 100 possessions, he is the most impactful players, player that played for the Blazers this year, even more so than Damian Lillard by almost two points per 100 possessions. So that's pretty crazy. Uh, he is also in basically all of the Blazers' best lineups this year by net rating, which tells you quite a bit about the fact that this guy is just like a winning basketball player. Uh, basically, I think he's going to make a really good impact, and I think he's going to fit in just fine with the Knicks. He's kind of got that like dog in him, you know, if if you want to put it that way. And I think his role will probably be pretty similar to Quentin Grimes, where it's going to be like you're expected to spot up and shoot threes, but we'll also let you put it on the floor. 
You can certainly get inside if you want. And, you know, I didn't even touch on this, but pretty good passer. Like the four assists per game, that's not nothing for like a wing. You know, that's that's a good number for a, a guy to be hitting. Clearly a guy that keeps the ball moving and keeps things, you know, going on offense. So I, I'm looking forward to seeing how he's going to fit with this team. But I, I think if you throw him out there with like Emmanuel quickly and Deuce McBride and, you know, Obi Toppin and like Isaiah Hartenstein with that bench unit, He's gonna have a good time. Uh, I think it's. I think it's gonna be good. Or you could throw him out there with Grimes and just have like two Grimeses out there. Like, it's it's gonna be fun. Uh, but I think we're ready to take the final break here. And I alluded to this at the beginning of the show, but there's there was some other news that broke today uh, with <laughs> Kevin Durant uh, getting traded to the Suns right as I'm recording this. So I'll briefly react to that and also talk about where the Knicks could go from here. Uh, on this trade deadline day, who else they could be targeting, some of their targets that they have been linked to, like are they still going to look to get those guys or are they pretty much done? I'll examine a few things and and talk through a little bit of that when I get back on Locked on Knicks. All right, and I'm back to finish up talking about this eventful day before the trade deadline for the Knicks. Uh, but of course, when you're listening to this, it is most likely the day. Actually, technically speaking, when I'm recording this, it is already the day of the trade deadline. But when you're listening to this, you know, you're probably also like, all right, well, but what else could happen today? You've told me about Josh Hart. Well, first off, obviously, the Knicks are not going to trade for Kevin Durant. He is now a Phoenix Sun. Uh, I generally, I, and I, I mean this sincerely. I generally don't care that much about what happens with the team across the river, uh, but it's impossible not to find it at least a little bit funny that this whole thing is blown up so colossally. And again, just take this. I mentioned this with the Kyrie thing the other day, but just take this like assessment of, oh man, imagine if this had been the Knicks and if the Knicks had signed those two guys in 2019. We would certainly all be right now talking ourselves into like, oh, we got a cool ragtag bunch of dudes that might be able to, you know, still make some noise and learn to play together throughout the second half of the season. And, you know, some draft picks in tow, especially from the Durant trade trade, like things are going to be OK. And yet I'm also like, man, that circus would stink as a Knicks fan. And I have no interest in dealing with that. And I'm very happy that ultimately those two guys did not sign with the Knicks so RIP to our old 2019 hopes and dreams but uh cheers to not having had Durant and Irving on the team and instead just having this fun functional team full of hard-working dudes that all want to be playing for the Knicks uh but are there some other guys that might want to be playing for the Knicks well one guy that they've been linked to quite a bit was OG Ananobi I think my inclination is to say that that is probably off the table now. And that is not like sourced or anything, but Ian Begley, who is sourced, has been saying today that seems like the asking price is pretty high. He's starting to think that OG is just going to remain a Raptor by the end of the trade deadline because Messiah is just going to be like, well, I only want to do this if I come out super on top and I get like three first round picks and two good young players or whatever, which just, Honestly, and I've said this like five times, like I don't think OG Ananobi is that dude that's like just waiting to break out once he gets to a new team. So I would not be lining up to to pay that price. So 
uh, that's fine by me if this doesn't work out. But also, like, they just invested their first round pick this year into Josh Hart. And Josh Hart plays, even though he's smaller and not as versatile, like defensively or whatever, he plays such a similar role to what Ananobi plays, but just as like a smaller guy in general, that it makes me think like, okay, how many minutes are there? Like, even if you traded Obi Toppin and some other players, you know, which there's less of now, uh, thanks to having to ship out three for one to uh, make the other deal for Hart. But, you know, even if you were able to, uh, to like, make something happen for OG, why would you? I feel like there's just not going to be enough minutes to go around at this point, especially with how Tibbs manages rotations and everything. I just, I don't know. And then if there is enough minutes to go around, it's like, okay, well, who's losing minutes out of like quickly Grimes, RJ, all these guys. I know some people want RJ's head right now and would think that's a good idea, but it doesn't really excite me. So uh, we'll see, but I, I, get the feeling that OG Ananobi is not going to be a Nick by the end of tomorrow. Malik Beasley and Jared Vanderbilt would just link to the Knicks, but they're obviously off the market now as they are both Lakers. Eric Gordon's still available, but again, it's like, why, why go for him at this point? You know, it's like, I don't think there's enough minutes to go around. I wouldn't, he would definitely take minutes like from quickly. And I don't think I want that. And it would take minutes from deuce and everything else. I, I think I'd rather just, you know, if it comes down to that, it's like, oh, let's get Eric Gordon now and give up another first-round pick. I'd be like, let's pump the brakes a little. I don't think that is necessarily a thing that you need to do when you just traded for a role-player guard. You know, I think just kind of let's let's see how Josh Hart works. Basically, like I feel like the only thing that might possibly happen now, now because what it, what has happened so far, the Cam Reddish situation has been resolved now, uh, and the Knicks just got a new player who presumes to play a good amount of minutes for them because he's exactly the type of player they want. What else is kind of left on the goal list? I guess moving Derek Rose to a new home. I think I saw that there were still some talks about Rose potentially going to like Milwaukee and there's probably going to be some other suitors. So maybe the Knicks find a home for Rose somehow that's like extremely low impact to their bottom line. Um, maybe that's them. I don't know, a second round pick or something in exchange for him. But other than that, I think it would just have to be like some star like magically becomes available. Obviously, obviously it's not Kevin Durant. Uh, but, you know, like I'd have to be like, oh, the Oklahoma City Thunder are taking calls on Shea Gilgis-Alexander all of a sudden. The Knicks might, you know, suddenly perk up and be like, oh, well, time to get to work because we want Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Um but that, that's pretty much it. And obviously, Kevin Durant's off the market, so that's not going to happen. Kyrie Irving's gone, so that's not going to happen. And I struggle to think of another like legitimate star that might become available. There's been a little bit of talk about like Zach Levine, but I would not, if it were me, I would not be aggressively pursuing Zach Levine. I just think, whereas Hart is like the exact type of player that the Knicks, you know, look for and want on the floor for them. I think Levine is sort of, in many ways, the antithesis in the fact that he doesn't really play defense like at all. Granted, he is a great scorer, so maybe they would prioritize that, but I kind of doubt it. Um, I guess the the only other thing to to watch, uh, just keep this in mind. There's going to be two open roster spots now, so the Knicks are clearly, you know, with this acquisition of Hart, they're looking towards the playoffs, so they're going to be looking to get better. I would look for them to potentially look at the buyout market. Um, 
My main thing is please, 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 please don't even think about Russell Westbrook because I just don't want to deal with that. Uh, the Bulls are apparently linked to him, which fine. He can go play for the Bulls. I don't care. Uh, I think it should be a priority, though, for the Knicks to watch whoever gets bought out. I don't know like who all is even a buyout candidate this year because you'd never really know until just guys just don't get don't get traded that teams are trying to trade. Then you figure out like, oh, okay, you know, this guy was uh you know on the trade market, didn't get traded, but there needs to be a resolution. So let's pick him up. Maybe that ends up being like Abaka with the Bucks, unless they can swing a deal where they send Rose to Milwaukee, as has been rumored, and Ibaka comes back to the Knicks somehow that way. They've been linked to him in the last week. Maybe it's just some guys off the street, you know, some or maybe some G Leaguers that they bring in. I don't really think they're going to convert Trevor Keels uh, or the other guy that they have on their two way deal whose name is escaping me right now. But maybe they look to, I don't know, sign like Farron Hunt or something who had a decent end of the season and then a pretty good summer league with them last year. Maybe they do something like that. Who knows? Um, but I think maybe a big, like an insurance big, might not be the worst idea. Or just another guard. I mean, they just addressed backup wing. You're talking about end of the bench guys, though, so it's not worth going too crazy over. So we'll see what ends up happening. We'll see if the Knicks end up making more deals, too. So we'll certainly keep an eye out. And, you know, again, be sure to check out that Locked on NBA uh, trade deadline show on YouTube to see if, you know, Maybe the Knicks will do something else, and then you can hear me talk on there and certainly hear me on Locked on Knicks tomorrow as well to recap the trade deadline and uh, whatever else may come up. So thank you all for listening, and I'll talk to you guys all soon. Peace out.